Our scripture this afternoon comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. I'll be reading from the ESV. 1 John 3, 19 to 24. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. The word of the Lord. Thanks for God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you this afternoon to receive from you that only you can give to our souls, to our hearts, to our bodies, to this community. That you have risen, risen indeed, and that is good news that we desperately need as we look at our lives, the life of the church, the life of this world. So be near us. We want to bring all of who we are this afternoon. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter. He is risen. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors at City Life, and it's my privilege to be here this afternoon. I, I got to get used to saying this afternoon. Um, I was actually supposed to be here next weekend, but uh, as you know, uh, things changed, and, and here I am, and uh, glad it worked out at the very least. I'll be running to my dinner appointment a little bit late, but that's okay. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here, uh, to be able to share God's word with you this afternoon. I heard that you've been journeying through the Gospel of John, which is great, and I thought that it would give a, a refreshing voice, uh, something different, and so we'll go to 1 John today, and we'll be in 1 John chapter 3, and spend some time there, and 1 John chapter 3, in light of what today really means and represents what Easter really is about. John's overarching message all throughout the letter is very simple, and it's the big idea here as well. Love one another. Love one another. Because God is love and he invites us into his life of love, therefore, naturally, love one another. And in some ways, this message of love, loving others, actively, tangibly expressing this love, is what you expect to hear at a church. Easter or not. Christian or not. Love, yeah, something that the church should be talking about. In fact, you don't even need to be at a church to listen to something about love, loving one another, especially in this cultural climate, the active way of serving somebody else, loving one another. Love is universal enough, fundamental enough, unifying enough of a concept even to bring all kinds of unity to all kinds of humanitarian efforts. Which then leads us to the question, what is uniquely Christian about love? What is uniquely Christian about the life of love that makes it set apart, that makes it beautiful, 
that makes it compelling and effective? What is it about the love of Jesus? The love of Jesus that John wants to remind this community as they are hearing this live and to our modern people as well. Three things as we go through this. That the love of Jesus is an assuring love. Assuring love, obeying love, and finally, abiding love. Assurance, obedience, and abiding. Look with me to verse 19 again. Verse 19. By this, and this is explained a little bit later, okay? By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure, that's the key word here, reassure our heart before him. And here's the this, okay? By this. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Let's pause there. Right before this passage, John says, love one another, and loving your brother means laying down your life for the other person. And even before that, he says, love one another, yet again, the main, the main point, the main, main message, love one another and don't be like Cain, referring to Cain and Abel back in Genesis, murdering your brother, hating your brother. Don't let your active love go towards hatred. And John, knowing that when you are being bombarded with this message, uh, the ancient uh, world in this time, too, it was a transition from the written uh, oral culture to written culture. There was a lot of hearing that is still happening. So much like what is happening here right now, the word coming to them and they're hearing live, love one another, be active, don't be like Cain, murdering your brother. Love one another. It means laying down your life for another. John, knowing that as they are hearing this, the immediate and natural response being... Am I being a Cain? Is he talking about me right now? Do I have the hard capacity to really lay down my life for another person? Knowing that that's where our hearts naturally go to. John is taking a step back a little bit and saying, let me reassure your heart at this time. And this really speaks to our innate human design and desire to be assured to be validated, to be affirmed, to be seen, to be known. Another translation says it this way, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and set our heart at rest before him. Rest. Set our heart at rest before him. It's very human of us to be searching for that rest. The sense and the prolonged state of... Uh, that reality. Perhaps all of COVID feels like, will that rest come one day? And can that be a living reality for me, for my family, for this community? Then where do we find that uh, rest? Where do we find that anchoring assurance in the midst of so much uncertainty? The message of the world will often say, you find it in more. More. Are you not satisfied with where you are in life? Well, use that as a fuel to then grind even 
more so that you could achieve that rest that can come at the end of that grind. That's what our jobs, our money, our security will implicitly and explicitly tell us. Give me more of your time. Give me more of your energy and dedication and I will give you rest one day. Your assurance is found in more. That's the message in different shapes, different forms. But that's one of the core messages of this world that shapes our hearts. Whether we recognize it or not, it forms us. It shapes us. And what we find in that core message of more is that you're never at rest because you're just never there yet. And the core engine kicks in again that you are in the search for more. You're never quite there. But the good news of Christianity is, is, as Augustine says, our hearts are restless Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Jesus. That everything in this life to guarantee rest are essentially rest stops that point us to the ultimate rest that can only be found in Jesus. The good news is not in more, and as we remember today in Easter, it's in Jesus who has done it all. All who has accomplished it, all it is finished. Therefore, there is no more. Amen? And that's why we are here today. Because there there is hope. If Jesus can come in the middle of our world of more to fuel us over and over again and shock the system, dismantle it from within, and tell us that there is a different economy, There is a different way of living than the message of more, and it is, it is finished. There is no more than we have hope. That's why we are here this afternoon. Now, what John wants to do here is to lean into that truth, that good news, even more, and reassure people live as they are hearing this. Verse 20, that's why he says, verse 20, for whenever our heart condemns us, whenever our heart condemns us, meaning when our heart's not at rest, when our heart is struggling, when our heart is going through that tug of war, when it's wrestling, when it's asking ourselves, am I a cane or not here? Do I have the heart capacity to truly love or not? When that's the reality that is, that is found in our hearts, in the middle of that, John says, hear this word of assurance. God is greater than our heart that condemns us. God is greater and he knows everything. And it's only through that process, actually facing that, just like we confessed our sins and received the word of grace, is through Good Friday Silent Saturday, that Easter comes, that we can experience the heart of verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, at that point we have confidence before God. Friends, where do you find your rest? Where do you find that that sentiment, that prolonged state? I want to encourage you to consider Jesus this afternoon. For the first time, 
for the hundredth time, whatever the case might be for you, to hear this word that my heart will not be at rest until it finds its rest in you, Jesus. He's not asking for our polished, fully processed lives to then be worthy of receiving the good news of resurrection, but that there is a living hope that comes in the midst of our heart wrestling. When our heart condemns us, not if, when it does. The good news of Easter, Jesus rising again and, as, and it actually making an impact in our lives is that it cuts through in the midst of our darkness. Light in darkness, resurrected life in our death. So be assured this afternoon, if your heart is wrestling, if you feel restless, John is almost saying, that's okay. And even beyond that, it's actually appropriate that you go through that because that's when the light cuts through. That's when the resurrected life becomes real. Consider that, Jesus, today, friends. Now let me push it even a little bit further, okay, what John is trying to do here. Here's the thing. John wants to help us see that there's more to it than that, though. That Christianity doesn't have to end there. What Jesus accomplished on the cross by dying and rising again is not simply that you can secure a free ticket to an eternal vacation and rest after death. When Christian life is narrowed down to assurance, as important as that is, assuring love, when Christian life is narrowed down to just and simply assurance, that's when our obedience becomes optional. That's when our actively loving others is an extracurricular activity. This is why what we believe matters. What today represents matters, not just Simply assurance, as beautiful as that is, Christianity does not end there. It pushes us further into, it's a generous invitation then into a life of love. A life of love that begins with assurance to then call us into an active life of obedience. So this leads to my second point, obeying love. Not just assuring love, but an obeying love. Verse 22, look with me there. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, talking about prayer in this context, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. That's obedience language. Commandments, keeping, do what pleases. And he spells out what that commandment really is. Verse 23, he makes it very clear in very much a John fashion. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. God is greater than your heart, John says earlier, right? And he will grant you that assuring love, that confidence before the Lord. And that naturally leads into verse 22. Keep this commandment. Out of that assuring love, that beautiful truth of the gospel, that assuring love naturally flowing into an obeying love, the two are inseparable. 
The two must be connected. That's what John is highlighting. He transitions straight into keep this commandment. The two are inseparable, connected. Will Smith, now I know that there might be different opinions on on, on how we view Will Smith today, especially in a lot of the the recent events, but um, it's interesting, and my, my observation through this reality is that even the world is now paying attention to the way that we are talking about popular culture, whatever the case might be, is willing to go to the area of connecting what we believe and what we are doing. So there's the indisputable reality of somebody slapping somebody else, which is not a good thing, right? At the same time, people are engaging in conversations of what's really behind this. That's been the fascinating reality. There is this uh, uh, enormous amount of fascination, especially with this one. Oh, well, we need to look at it from from Mill's perspective. Well, we need to look at it from Chris's perspective. Uh, We need to understand uh, what hair means in black culture. We need to look at it from the perspective of black entertainment industry, masculinity, diseases. All of these conversations of why happened, especially with this one. What that tells us is that even the world is willing to understand and go to the realm of let's figure out the why to the what. And there may be disagreements on what those whys are. The what is indisputable. But let's get in there. What's really behind this? What are the whys? Even the world is willing to go there to see what shouldn't be separated. Let's figure out that connection. This informed this reality. What about in the church? The church has historically and always been about believing in Jesus Christ and following him, and yet at the same time, we're seeing the fruits, especially even in the recent months and recent years under COVID, to exposing a lot of the unhealth of the church the reality and the fruits that we are seeing when the two inseparable realities are indeed separated for far too long. And this is why you could have a leader or a team of leaders, a church, a mega church, a network of churches that has their right belief, their doctrine, sound, and yet at the same time to be now known for patterns of harassment cover-ups, toxic culture, abuse of power. That the church is fully capable of believing in the reality and the beauty of the gospel and not be shaped by it. And we're seeing the fruits of what happens when the two inseparable realities are separated for far too long, and perhaps COVID, with the intensification of everything around us, is exposing that reality even in the church. Or as David John Seal says in his book, Network Power, that one of the mistakes in understanding how changes are made, especially at a cultural level, is believing the myth that if you get enough individuals to think a certain way, they will behave a certain way, and then automatically the culture changes. Let's just get people to think about this the right 
way, and then their behavior will change naturally, and that's how you change culture. Now, there isn't anything wrong with that per se on on its own. At the same time, what Seal is saying, it undermines human beings as mere thinking beings. We are compartmentalizing life. We are compartmentalizing ourselves. We are separating what shouldn't be separated. And that's a pattern that we notice everywhere in the world, in the church, even in the way that we function. And here's John's simple reminder to all of this reality, this propensity to compartmentalize everything. And here's a commandment, John's singular, a commandment, to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and love one another. It's a singular commandment. And this should also serve as a mirror into our own individual hearts as well this afternoon. Friends, how have I compartmentalized this singular command to believe and love one another? How have I been shaped by thinking that Christianity is just about, merely about, assuring love as important and beautiful as that is, and when I have time, obeying love? If we sense that tug of war and wrestling in our hearts, then today, let's go back to what John does to this community, reassuring our hearts live, and ask this question, in that place, how do we experience more of this then? How do we experience the realities that need to be put together, inseparable, one singular commandment? How do we experience more of this? We believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and naturally, because of that, out of that abundance that we love one another, it's one reality. How do we experience more of that? How can we experience the light cutting through the darkness and life being breathed into death in a way that not only wakes us up from our sleep, but that we can march forward in love because that's what the love of Christ does in our lives. How can we experience more of that? And this leads to my last point. Abiding love. Abiding love. Verse 24. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. How the two come together. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who who lived, died, and resurrected, and love one another. How do these two come together is not found in a formula. Is not found in an equation. But John is saying the essence of the gospel is in a person. Not a formula that you can then allow two conceptual realities to be put together into one. Okay, let's do one plus one, and let's call that a one thing. But this reality of two coming together, believing and loving in our active, in our faith, is that it comes in a person, and that we get to be in an abiding relationship with him. That's the good news. That's the good news. How many of you are bilingual or trilingual? Other people here? 
If you speak multiple languages, if you are fluent in multiple languages, you know this. And I hope this kind of helps you to think about what abiding could mean in a, a refreshing way. Truly bilingual people, and so much so that you can then translate for a living, perhaps. The proficiency of your ability is not measured by your test scores. It's not measured by your ability to put grammatical structures together in your vocabulary, as helpful as they are. But the real proficiency in speaking multiple languages and being fluent is your ability to blend two cultures together is your ability to put two norms and two realities together, that you are standing in the middle, as this person is talking, you are able to absorb what is happening in life, and through a different, at the same time, the same filter, be able to communicate to this person to, to get across that message in a way that is not just word for word, but captures the heart and the spirit behind it. See, two conceptual realities coming together in a translator, per se, in a person, not a Google translator, because you still have to make out what, what it's actually trying to say to you when you get there, but a person, a living and breathing, pulsating person, that you can see how concepts that we have such difficulty with putting together, because our propensity is to compartmentalize everything, that it's in the person of Jesus that these things come together. And the good news is that he invites us into a relationship with him. That's one way to understand God's abiding in us, in Jesus. God coming down in humanity, in flesh, as a person, fully God and fully man, somehow speaking our language, living the life we couldn't live, die the death that we deserve to die, rising again, proving that he is indeed God, and breathing in us through the Spirit an eternal hope, a living hope. And as we keep his commandment, in that context, as we keep his commandment to believe in this truth about the Son and love one another, that we get to abide in him and be in this relationship with him. Friends, Christianity is not just a worldview. It's not just a framework. It's not just a religious reality or a philosophical idea that puts different things together. It's not just a crutch to lean on, but a living, breathing, pulsating relationship with a risen Savior who is a person. The invitation here is more to a philosophical idea, something that orders your life, nearly. But perhaps the rest that we are longing for, the mission that we want to have in our lives to actively love can be found in the way that we walk in a relationship with a person. And this is where I want to encourage this church as well. This is where the church comes in through the Spirit. COVID has exposed all kinds of things in our lives, right? one of which is the importance of gathering as a community for the church, to be a gathered body. Consider this place, consider this family, this community to be a training ground or a place where active love can live, that as you love one another, 
as you reassure one another of the love of Christ that comes to us, and oozing out of that, extending that love to one another, that you may experience the person of Jesus. That you may experience that what we're dealing with here is a live relationship. And out of that, the world can watch and say, there is something different about this kind of love. It seems to be living. It seems to be breathing. It seems to be making difference. It seems to be inviting. It seems to be connected to a person. May CTK Newton be a church that is shaped by this kind of love, the love of Jesus, to be assured before the Lord in the middle of our wrestlings, in our tug-of-wars, if you are going through that this afternoon, you are welcome here. It's okay to go through those things. It's appropriate to go through those things. But the good news of Easter is that the light comes into that reality and you can receive that in full. May this church also then be known for faithful and joyful, obedient servants that knows that the good news of Christianity is not just about an assuring love, but naturally flowing into an obeying love. And out of that, that this place would also then emanate the kind of love that invites others to see that there is a person in the middle of this, more than just an activity, more than just a life philosophy, but a living, breathing relationship with a risen Savior. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.